need to get situated here really quick. All right. Um, I'm actually going to pray for myself again. So, um, Lord, thank you so much for all you've given us. Um, th there is a, a view. We all need to have uh, the correct view of you. And so I pray, Lord God, that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit and help uh, the words um, from your word that I'm going to go over. Um, help it to really pierce everyone's heart and open their eyes to an understanding of who you are in a deeper way. And um, yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity that we get to be together and to learn about you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. So before we get rolling here, um, I want everyone to think of someone that has served them in a really big way. A lot of the time, it is going to be the person that raised you. Now, um, I know some. there's a lot of people in here that probably didn't have great uh, dads or didn't have great moms. But for the most part, the person that raised you um, really sacrificed their life so that you could have a uh, better life later on. So what are the, some of the things that they did for you. They would wake up multiple times throughout the night while you're crying, probably take you out of your crib, hold you until you stop crying, put you back in bed. And they probably did that multiple times and they were really tired for that day. And then they had to feed you throughout the day. They had to change your diaper and uh, they had to pick up things that you kept dropping. Um, and then uh, as you got older, um, they would discipline you. They would teach you. They would tell you to brush your teeth, even though you didn't want to brush your teeth and you complained about it, but they knew that they're going to thank me later, you know? And so, um, they basically put their life on hold so that you could have a better life later on. So I want everyone to have that in their mind because what I'm going to go over today is that is who God is. When you go from Genesis to revelation, he's someone that lays himself down so that you can have everything. Um, uh, about a year and a half ago, I really felt strongly that God wanted me to go start in Genesis and just go through the Bible and find out what his purpose is so that I can know my purpose. A lot of people tell me, um, would tell me what my purpose is, um, you know, from the Bible and they weren't that far off, but I wanted to see it from the, from God's words myself. And, uh, and it really changed my life, honestly. I mean, when I was going through the Old Testament, I mean, I didn't even have to get through the second book of the Bible to see that God wants to be with you. Um, that is just hammered over and over and over again. A lot of people will say, um, you know, the God, the main thing that God is doing is he's trying to make himself known um, or he's trying to glorify himself, um, and which is true. But even at the root of that, he is wanting to make himself known so that you can know him and therefore be in communion with him. And the links that he goes through, goes through throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, was astounding to me. I didn't get through all the way through Revelation. I was only a year and a half ago. So I've gotten through several of the books and, uh, and it was just so eye-opening for me. So, so this is a statement that I'm going to unpack. And it is, uh, is the idea that God does whatever it takes to give you everything. Now that's a pretty loaded statement and uh, it might even sound a little controversial, but I'm going to unpack that. And I'm going to do that with uh, going over three uh, points. What has he done and why did he do it? And does he still do it? And uh, Tad asked me um, what, uh, what is going to be my text that I'm going to be preaching from. And I said, well, it's going to be the Bible. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, but if I'm going to encapsulate 
this idea into one verse, it would be Romans 8.32. And it's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Um, probably my favorite promise that I can stand on. It's he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Paul is saying that um, Jesus is everything. He had used the highest cost and he laid himself, he gave his own life for you. So if he did that, how will he not along with him graciously give you all things? And that is, and, and if we're to look deep inside of ourselves, we would see that that is one of the hardest things for us to believe. Because if we really did that, did believe that 100%, our lives, I mean, we probably be happy all the time. <laughs> um, it pretty much fixes almost all of uh, the issues when you know that the God of the universe is for you and he wants you to have everything. So um, with that, let's start with the beginning of the Bible. I wasn't joking. Um, um, so as you can see on uh, the right side of those slides, that's the whole Bible, all the books of the Bible. And I'm just going to be circling where we're at as I'm going through this. And you guys are like, wow, we're going to be for a long time. I'll go pretty quick, I hope. So um, so starting with Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we see that uh, um, God created the heavens and the earth. He created man, and but they messed up big time. They sinned. And then that separated them from God. So some of, sometimes the Bible can be kind of boring to read. But when you realize that, okay, this is the book that God has given us, that reveals who he is. This is what he does, uh, what, what people do. To know what, who people are, you see what they do a lot of the time. And uh, if God wants to be with us and man sinned and separated us from God, we get to see for the rest of the pages of scripture what God does to fix this. And, and as we go through that, we get to see what kind of a, who he is. So, I'm going to be going over a, a lot of this. I'm going to be missing a lot of stuff. So don't, uh, don't raise your hand and say, Hey, you forgot this. Cause I'm going to, for, I mean, we, like I said, we'd be for, here forever if I went over everything. So one of the first things that he does after, um, after Manson and separated themselves from God is that he called this guy, Abraham out of this, uh, town in the middle East called Ur. And he set apart his, he wanted to set apart his family to later become the Israelites to be, um, to be a special people to reflect a God. So God set him apart, told him, hey, go to this little place in the Middle East, uh, in this land, was called Canaan. It was later be called Israel. He wants you guys to go over there. So Abraham's like, all right, I'll do it. And then he takes his family over there. So God sets apart the people of Israel. Um, and God, like I said, wants them to have this land. Go to the next book of the Bible, Exodus. Um, these people um, get to the land, the Israelites get to the land. And unfortunately, they... Um, they go down to Egypt because of a famine and then they are captured. I mean, well, they're, uh, they end up being slaves for 400 years. And, um, so they don't like that obviously. So then they call on God and God delivers them. God delivers them, um, out of slavery from Egypt. And then as they go to Israel back to their land, God gives them all these commands for them to follow. And, um, in Deuteronomy, uh, we see their leader, Moses, reiterate this law before they head into the land. So they end up going into the land and um, uh, getting rid of all the, the bad guys and then settling in this land. And, uh, and then they end up getting a king. They ask God, God, we need a king. We want a, we want a ruler. So he gives them a king. And the best king, uh, God promises to him. He's like, I'm going to 
he, he tells this king that he's going to establish an everlasting kingdom through him. And this is really important. And I know some of this stuff you guys may have heard for the first time. You don't know what it means, but I'm going to explain it later. And then also God tells them to build a building where he can dwell. Because again, God wants to be with them. And, but these Israelites uh, act really bad. And I mean, really bad. Um, if you just read through the Old Testament, it is not rated PG. I mean, they do some terrible things. And God, in his mercy, sends these guys to speak on behalf of him, trying to warn them over and over and over again hey, if you don't shape up, things are going to get bad. And they don't listen. Um, and things do get bad. And so, but as these prophets are speaking to the Israelites, they do talk of a future hope. Even though times are bad now, there's going to be a future hope coming later on. And anyways, they get captured by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Um, the Babylonians actually take a lot of the Israelites and take them back to their, um, to their own place. So this is called the exile. And again, this is a problem because God wants to be with them. He wants to be in the land and wants them to be in the land. And so he actually um, gets them to go back to Israel later on um, after being in exile. And then, then there's 400 years where that aren't in the Bible. And then you get to the culmination of all this pretty much. This is Jesus. So God, the next step in God's plan to get rid of this barrier between you and him was to reveal himself to, to these people, to us. He decides to come down in human form and say, this is who I am. And, um, and then of course he dies for our sin to get rid of that barrier so that we can be with him. And he rises from the dead and, um, appears to all of his disciples who were super sad about him dying and like, Oh, I thought this was going to be, you know, uh, a really huge thing, but our leader just died. What happened? So they kind of go into their going, go uh, back to their normal daily lives. God appears to them after he dies freaks them out. They see that this is, this is a very big deal. And they actually go out into the, to the ends of the earth at the time and preach the gospel to all these people. They actually lay their lives down to do this. Then we see at the very end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in the midst of all this pain and suffering, this is what God does. God gets rid of the suffering and then he chooses to dwell with us forever. So that wasn't so bad, was it? We went from Genesis all the way to Revelation just to simply see what God did. Now, um, why in the world did he do all that stuff? Why, uh, why did he choose to do it that way? Um, so again, the thing that I'm driving home is that God does whatever it takes to give you everything. So what do I mean by that? So whatever it takes, what I mean by that is that he's aggressive. He is detailed. He is relentless and to give you everything. What do I mean by everything? Everything is himself or the, the, the presence of himself. And so, um, so here's some verses that kind of show that Psalm 84, 10 through 11, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. The courts is where God is better is one day there than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the, uh, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Filling you with joy in his presence with eternal pleasures at his right hand. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That sounds like everything, right? Um, sounds like satisfaction. That sounds like life to the full. When we have God, we have all that we need and more. Psalm 63, notice how, uh, notice how the psalmist is saying God. 
uh, not other things. He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than my life. Because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. So I think that last line right there kind of shows why being with someone is so important. And I think the pinnacle of human satisfaction is relationship, is being fully known by somebody and yet fully loved. And that is what God is offering. The God of the universe who knows you more than anyone else yet um, yet loves you more than anyone else. And that's satisfying. That is a securing feeling. That feels great. Um, and that's what he wants you to experience. He wants you to have that. Um, so why in the world does he want to be with you? Um, he loves you. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. A lot of time when we think of eternal life, we think about being in the clouds in heaven. Um, you know, hanging out with our friends. But the reason why heaven is so awesome is because we are with God. It is that that joy in his presence, those eternal pleasures. That is that is what heaven is. And he loved you so much that he died so that you can have that. He wants to show his kindness to you. Ephesians 2, 6 through 7 says, And God raised us up with Christ and see us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He wants to transform you. Um, He doesn't just stop there after after he saves you. He doesn't just stop there. He knows that you have a lot of wires that are crossed. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Um, But he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. You can take someone who is suicidal, and once you give them a purpose that really means something, it can completely change your life. And that's what God is offering you, the best purpose. He has plans for you. He created you uh, for a purpose, and uh, and he wants to show that to you. Okay, so... um, now we're going back to Genesis and going over all those things that we talked about. And I'm going to explain why he did those things. And remember, I'm going to give you a hint. Again, he wants to be with you and he's doing, and again, remember that, that um, remember that sense. God does whatever it takes to give you everything, which is himself. So why in the world did God set apart people of Israel? Genesis 12, 2. This is his promise that he gives to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. What in the world does that mean? Well, a good news for us in Galatians 3, later on in the Bible, Paul explains what this means. He says, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith, we might receive the promise of the spirit. So this blessing is, to be, is for us to be able to have, be a part of the family by faith so that we can have God's spirit. Because when you're saved, God puts his presence in you. And so in order for that to happen, um, God made this promise to Abraham at the beginning of Genesis. Um, In Exodus, why did God deliver the the Israelites out of slavery? Um, Obviously, because it wasn't fun. But Exodus 29, 46, this is what he iterates over and over again. God, um, this is what God says over and over again, some form. They will know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of Egypt. Why? So So that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. God wants to be with uh, with his people. And God gives them the law. Why does he give them the law? Um, Deuteronomy 5.29. Um, man, and I, I hope you guys really listen to 
the emotion of God in this verse. It's so, so cool. He says, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. And that same kind of statement, obey your commands so it may go well with you is repeated over and over and over in Deuteronomy. In fact, here's like 15 times Deuteronomy 4.1, 440, 528 through 29. So you guys kind of get in the picture that God is relentless. He's aggressive. He wants things to go well with you. He wants you to have everything. He wants you to have himself. Go to the kingdom era. era. Why does he establish this lasting kingdom? It's because that he, the, the lasting, the everlasting kingdom comes through the king's lineage of David. And it's, it actually ends up being Jesus. Jesus, what he does when he comes on this earth is he establishes a kingdom. He want, he is going to fight away, get rid of the darkness and establish himself as the ruler forever. And this is what God promises to David clear at the beginning of the Bible, um, kind of towards the beginning in second Samuel. And then God wants to dwell among them with a the temple. Again, God wants to be with them. Here's how that's described in second Chronicles seven 16. I've chosen and consecrated this temple. Why? So that my name be, so that my name may be there forever. Again, his temple is amongst his people in Israel. God wants to be with them. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Um, and we go to the prophets. Again, they were trying to warn um, Israel of their the bad things that they were doing, but they give them a future hope. Ezekiel 36, 26. Um, in spite of all the bad things that are going on, this is what it says. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit with you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And then you will dwell in the land and I, that I gave you to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Um, and then finally to round out the old Testament, instead of going over a verse, I'm going to talk about, this is some notes I wrote after studying the book of Ezra, um, talking about God's heart behind get, getting them out of exile and back to land after they got captured by uh, the bad guys. So, in spite of the incredible sin of the Israelites, God is still faithful to make it possible for him to dwell with his people. He got multiple great kings from possibly the most powerful empire in the world to want this and even pay for it. So when they got, when Babylon captured them, they later allowed them to go back to their, um, to their land. And God actually has Babylon on board with this and actually has them pay for it. Um, uh, where it was I God is relentless you see in this book the great lengths God goes to to get them the temple and the land as well as the law which shows how important it is to God to dwell among his law-abiding people okay and then it all again culminates to Jesus um some of the things that he did again he's establishing a new kingdom he healed he drove out demons from people he released people from their bondage I mean you saw people in just deep suffering um, I mean what was the um, you know, there was a guy that was chained up by himself outside of the town and, and God went to him and drove out several demons from him. And, uh, and he preaches a gospel and, um, and the reason, and, and God is wanting to reveal himself in Jesus so that he can say here, this is it. This is what you guys need to look at so that you can have everything. Um, look at me, look at me. And a lot of people will be like, wow, that sounds kind of arrogant. Why would God, why is God so self-absorbed? Why does he want everyone to look at him? Well, it would be self-absorbed if one of us said that, right? 
but it's not self-absorbed for him to say that because he knows that he's the best thing for you. So he is saying, look at me, I am what's best for you. And I'm showing that to you through Jesus. Um, and, and one thing that he did, I love Mark 10, 45, uh, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Think about all the things that he's done for, uh, all the bad things he knows that you've done. He knew that the disciples did. And then you have that image of him getting down on one knee, the God of the universe and washing their feet. Um, we're so, uh, we're so focused on this idea. We got to serve God. We got to serve God, which is true, of course. But how much, how often do we think about God serves us? Like he wants to serve you. We get so scared of saying that because it sounds so self-centered, but that's what he did. That's what he did. Just read the gospels. That's who he was. He came down and he came to serve us and do the ultimate thing of dying for our sin. And this is where the statement, God does whatever it takes to give you everything. This is where it's fully fleshed out. Um, <laughs> this is truly embodying whatever it takes to give you everything. He's like, I, you are so valuable to me that I'm going to lay my life down for you so that you can be with me. Um, <laughs> going back to that first uh, illustration that we talked about, he is better than your mom. Think about that. And <laughs> I mean, it, and I'll, I'll just like, yeah, of course, God's better than my mom, right? But in your heart, do you honestly believe that he loves you and wants to give you everything like your mom did? She would do it so quickly. You know, if there was a, a car coming down the street and you're playing in the street, she would do whatever she could to come get you and pull you out. Yet a lot of the time we struggle, you know, with our assurance of salvation. You know, we're, um, you know, we're scared about the things that are going to happen to us. Um, I like what George Mueller says. He says, uh, where the beginning of anxiety, uh, how does he say it? Where anxiety begins, faith ends. And um, yeah, if we really did view him that way, it would change our outlook on all of life, really. I love how uh talks about this in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. We know that, right? But why do you do that? To bring you to God. God wants to be with us. So then God raises from the dead and, uh, and he commissions his disciples to go out to the lost. Uh, the lost are saved. The saved are discipled. That means they just, uh, they learn and they're built up in their knowledge and how to live. Um, and then finally at the end, we see in Revelation 21, um, uh, God getting rid of suffering and dwelling with us forever. So really, really listen to these words, Revelation 21, three. And I heard a loud voice from the, th this is like the second to last chapter of the Bible. So this is the very end. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. So that's great. He's with us, but there's more. They will be his people and God himself will be them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the older order of things has passed away. So I hope it is very crystal clear for you guys that God just wants you. He's just laid himself out for you. He wants you to have everything. And um, that is what the Bible is saying. You know, you don't have to listen to some speaker talk about it. You can read the Bible for yourself and see this. Okay. So we got over what did he do? Why did he do it? And finally, we're going to hit on 
uh, and this is huge, is he still like this? Does he still operate this way? We see how aggressive and, and meticulous he is to getting to his people. Is he still that way now? Because it doesn't really mean anything if he stopped, right? Um, so is he like that to the lost? Well, let's look at Jesus's words. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Uh, go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. I mean, do you guys realize that God has commissioned hundreds and thousands of people to find you, to get you? Like that's what he wants. Um, and second Peter three, nine says that, um, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. That's what Jesus's heart is for you. And just think about that. All of us are here for a reason, you know, um, either someone told you about this, that's God working on you. You know, someone brought you here to hear these words. That's God working on you. Um, uh, a lot of us can see that through other people, God used them to bring us to him. And, and, and that's another thing that I want to mention is that, uh, you know, it might not, it might feel like God is distant, but look at his people, look at the people that have his presence in them and, and see, um, and see how he works. Cause that's him working through other people. For example, look at, uh, look at Paul in Acts 14, uh, Paul, Paul was a guy that was killing Christians. God appears to him, saves him and uh, transforms his life. And he becomes one of these, those people that are sharing the message of God to people. And he is so desperate to do this, that he goes into this town of Lystra and they don't like it and they don't like him and they throw rocks at him until they think he's dead. So imagine that he's probably bleeding, uh, uh, um, unconscious, and they drag him outside of the city and his followers kind of come around him, you know, check on him. And he gets up and he goes back into the city. And, I, you know, a lot of us be like, wow, Paul was an amazing guy. He was such a good Christian. It's like, no, he had the Holy Spirit of God in him. That's what God did. He sacrificed himself so that you could have everything. So that same spirit is within Paul sacrificing himself so that these people that just stoned him um, could, have, could have Christ. And, and again, think through your own experiences. Think through some of the people that have worked on your heart, um, that have uh, relentlessly uh, shared the gospel with you, you know, or invited you to church over and over again, and it completely changed your life. That's God working through his people. Um, all right. So he's like that to the lost right now. Is he like that to believers? Does he just stop after you're saved? Um, so what are some verses in the Bible that talk about this? We have John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This was a big misconception I struggled with, um, throughout college is that, uh, yeah, heaven is supposed to be where everything gets awesome, you know, but this life is tough. We're supposed to suffer. It's going to be hard. And, you know, if I'm depressed or anxious, that's just kind of part of it. God doesn't really want that, but I mean, that's just part of it, you know? Um, but if you're experiencing that stuff all the time, that's not God's will for you. He wants you to have life and have it to the full. Um, and he wants you to have the fruits of the spirit. In Galatians, he um, like I said, when you're saved, he puts his presence in you and there's supposed to be effects of that. Those, those effects are supposed to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and a bunch of others. And so those are the fruits of the spirit. And I mean, think about those beginning ones, love, joy, peace. 
man, are, are you experiencing joy right now? Are you experiencing peace right now? Well, you're supposed to, you know, and I, that's not a condemning, well, you get, get it together. You know, it, it, that should be a comforting thing. It's like, that's what God wants you to have. So there's must be a way to get that. Um, so the big question, uh, so that, so when I was, uh, preparing for this, I really had to ask myself, I'm like, do I really believe this? God does whatever it takes to give me everything. And I had some doubts and, uh, and I'm like, man, I'm so convinced of this, uh, deeply that he's that way, but it starts to, I start to have some doubt when it comes to, uh, believers myself, because sometimes it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like with how aggressive he was throughout the whole Bible and how aggressive he was to save you. Sometimes it, it, I, how I experience it now, it's like, man, is God really that aggressive to get to me now and to, I mean, he has me, but to, for me to have life to the full, I mean, I've been praying prayers for truly years, prayers that I know that he would want to answer, not just for my own benefit, but for his namesake. And, uh, and, and some of them aren't answered. And some of them have you, uh, there's a few that I'm like, man, sometimes it feels like it's gotten wor- a little worse, you know? Um, and uh, so what I'm going to do, this is going to be a little different, but I'm going to, I, I know that, I know that people here are experiencing that they are experiencing. It's like, man, I don't see this aggressiveness in my own life, my own walk with God. So I'm just going to pray really quick and just take a few seconds of silence for you to just ask God, Lord, what is holding me back from helping me to see this? Why doesn't this feel like you are that loving to me that you pay this much attention to me and um, want me to have everything? So Lord, um, with all my heart, Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of everyone's hearts here, including mine, Lord, more so, so that we can see um, who you are, Lord Jesus. Please show us, Lord God, what is holding us back from saying that you want us to have everything. 